Hey, y'all, this is Mallory Irvin, and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best, and that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Living Fully Podcast. I'm so excited about this entire capsule series and everything that I'm bringing to you guys with these amazing guests before the holidays. Hopefully, everyone is going to feel like they're going into the holidays intentionally this year and can really embrace them fully. So the guest that I have on today is such an amazing guest, and I'm such a super fan of hers. And in case you don't know who Dr. Tara Swart is, I'm going to introduce her now. So Dr. Tara Swart is a neuroscientist and a former medical doctor. She's the author of the UK bestseller and US award winner, The Source, which I've talked about 655 times. It has translations in like 36 languages. It's sold so many copies. She's also a faculty member at MIT, no big deal, (laughs) and a trustee for the Lady Garden Foundation, which is, is a charity for gynecological cancers. Tara is interested in the meeting of science and spirituality, which is such an untouched field and something that I'm very curious about just as a reader and now a friend of Dr. Tara Swart. So I'm so thrilled to bring you guys this podcast today and to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Tara Swart. I don't fangirl really over anyone. We live in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. You know, there's there's country music singers and there's stars that live here. And no one, no one does that to me, but you do that to me. <laughs> you do that. I am such a fan of you and your work and everything that you have put out that I've ever listened to. And I am so excited to talk to you today. So I have to say, even I was a bit surprised when I heard you say, I've read the book or listened to it seven times. Seven. Um, Mm -hmm. I know some people who've listened or read it three times, but I actually listened to that and thought, I'm not sure even I have read it seven times (laughs) even when I was writing it. I love it. I have, you know, been such a a fan of, and I talk a lot about manifesting and visualization and all of these things. I loved The Secret and, you know, any book that I could kind of get my hands on. I've been doing it my whole life. I write about that in my book. Mm. But when I read your book, it just like lit a fire in my mind. And I was like, if there's one book that I can tell everyone to read, I know that the book that you tell everyone to read is The Untethered Soul, which is also one of mine. But my book that I tell everyone that they have to read of all the books is your book of all the books (laughs) in the whole world. Uh (laughs) I love it. Yes. So I would love to really dive into all things science manifesting, visualization, how we can kind of get back in the driver's seat of of our lives. Because, you know, this podcast is about living fully and living your best Mm -hmm. life. And Mm -hmm. you and I both know, and I know that you, as you're with your career in psychiatry, you saw so many people coming in and out who were not living their best lives, which is kind of how this was born, right? I want you to tell your story because I'm fascinated by your story from you being your grandmother reincarnated as per your family. (laughs) (laughs) to what you're doing now. Can you tell us just a little bit about your journey here? Yeah, I can sort of tell from the things that you've picked up that you're interested in the fact that I have that sort of cultural background where things like reincarnation were spoken about just as, you know, as facts. And then I had that period of my career where neuroplasticity, which is the ability of the brain to change, hadn't really been discovered. So I was working in psychiatry people really separate mental health from physical health. Mm -hmm. And I was always the one saying that when you have a mental health issue, it's like you've had a heart attack. It's a physical thing that's changed in your brain. It's not just that you were, you know, you weren't strong enough or you kind of, you know, it's the way that you think. And that became much more accepted sort of, you know, 10 years later. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because of sophisticated scanning techniques that could look at the levels of, 
chemicals and different pathways in the brain and what which receptors were changing when you had um, you know mental illness. And so I actually call neuroplasticity hope. And neuroplasticity, which means that your brain physically changes, your thoughts can change, your emotions can change. And we're not talking about in the ways like with a mental health disease, we're talking about things that you can do to make your thinking and your feeling and your behaving better. That's the way to live your best life. I mean, literally. And I love it that you came from this medical background. So everything needs to be science-based and evidence-based and, and you, you start seeing this like in your career. So here you are a medical doctor and you're practicing, but your life wasn't the life that you had wanted it to be, right? You were stressed, things started breaking down in your life. And so you kind of had your own personal experience with neuroplasticity during that point of your life. Am am I right? Yeah. It wasn't so much that I was stressed. It was more that I realized that I'd had so many parental and societal expectations to become a doctor and do a PhD that I'd never really thought about what I wanted to do. I really cared about my patients and that was the hardest reason to leave medicine. But I was in my mid thirties. I was starting to get disillusioned with what I was doing. Like it was it wasn't going to change sufficiently in the next 30 years. And for me, growth and mental stimulation is super important. And the thought of just doing this job like over and over again for a long time wasn't really appealing. And, you know, I'm sort of, I'm guessing that other things were in flux at the time because I basically left medicine and got divorced at the same time and moved countries. So it was a, a lot of, <laughs> a lot, a of, lot of change. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. And I mean, some of my friends used to laugh and say like, you know, did you have to change that many things all at once? But I think in a way, once you realize that you're not satisfied with your life, you're not living your fullest life, there probably are quite a few things that you have to change. It's not usually that there's just one thing wrong and everything else is fine. And so in a way, I think it was probably less painful going through several changes simultaneously than if I had done them one after the yes. other, which prolonged it for ages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sometimes, um, it's, sometimes when it's an avalanche like that, it, it forces you into a new phase of your life, into a fresh slate almost, so to speak. Yeah. I feel like that in my own life as well. Yeah. Oh, great. I mean, I don't, because you can't really prescribe that for someone, but I think it's probably more about taking away the fear that too much change all at once is bad. You know, it can actually be, that's much more transformative than sort of small changes that don't kind of really turn your life over in a good way. Mm-hmm. And and I would definitely say that now in the last, you know, since pandemic and everything, and just lots of other changes that go on in my life with my family and my friends and their health and things like that, that I've clearly become so much more resilient because of what I went through that, you know, in that first major crisis of my life, which was around in my mid thirties. And so after that, I, I did change career and I started to learn more, do focus my research on neuroplasticity because that would help me with my coaching clients to help them understand how you can physically change the way that you think and that yeah. has an impact on your life. Obviously, I started writing books and they were mostly based on neuroplasticity as well. And I'm not the kind of person that, you know, wants to live till I'm 100 or wishes I was young again. But neuroplasticity is the one thing that makes me think, I wish I'd known about this when I was 18. Just because, really? yeah. Yeah, because you can change you can change so much. I I've heard you say in interviews and I've heard you, you know, you say in the book, you because you're talking about your personal change that you were experiencing kind of during that time in your life. But you were mm-hmm. a psychiatrist, like we were mentioning mentioning before. So mm-hmm. you're seeing all of these people come into your office that mm-hmm. I've heard I think these are your words, their lives were so broken and they mm-hmm. didn't have the tools to fix it. A a lot of times they probably didn't think that you could fix it. They just thought it's everything on the outside. It's all these circumstances. It's almost, Mm -hmm. that's one end of the spectrum, like the rock bottom, the, how do I stay afloat? And the fact that you became fascinated by these people can change. Like I'm watching them change because you were working in, you were going into prisons and speaking with people that had some pretty intense, deep-seated like beliefs. And if you can teach neuroplasticity to 
gosh, who are the people that you, I've heard you say so many times, like this list of people that you had spoken with that you saw neuroplasticity shift things inside of their brains. And you were like, this is something people aren't talking about in this scientific way. It was very woo woo and in the clouds right? Like the law of attraction. It's people have, I love, I like crystals and all those things, but people are talking about crystals and the zodiacs and the stars lining, which is all cool stuff. But you were the first person to really talk about it because you were starting to see it in your office, in your, in your people coming into your doors. Is, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I was seeing both ends of that. So I was seeing people who weren't doing it at all and would repeatedly come back to hospital with the same issue. Mm-hmm. I saw the, this is unusual in the sort of area that I worked in, but the people that had a really supportive family member or a really supportive family did so much better than the people that were just left floundering in the system by themselves. And I think the example that you're specifically thinking of is when I worked on a a medium secure locked unit and the psychologists were helping rapists to have remorse for their victims and it was working. And that's when I thought, wow, there's something here that, you know, isn't treated by a drug. It's to do with the way that you think. It it means that you can learn empathy and that's extreme. So then when I started coaching executives who, you know, were really good at their jobs, but maybe didn't have the great people skills, I would sometimes say things like a rapist can learn empathy for their victim. Please don't tell me that someone as intelligent as you can't understand when you're upsetting other people or how to motivate people really well and you know that sort of thing so yeah I think I think my extreme previous career really helped to give perspective to people in business that you know there are things that you think are very difficult or impossible that actually the science shows that you can do so and and the analogy is that like learning a language learning any skill whether it's empathy or remorse or creativity is like taking a dirt road and building it into a super highway, mm-hmm. you know, and it's repetition and emotional intensity that helps that to happen. It does take time. So people become impatient and say, you know, this isn't working. I'm not changing. But one of, you know, even though I know the theory, what I've really realized in the hardest times of my life, let's say over the last 18 months is that all those little habits I've embedded over the last 10, 12 years, suddenly it's easier to do them. So you know, if I'm going through a period of stress and I think, okay, I should be taking my probiotic. I should be taking more magnesium bath soaks. I should be walking more. I should be doing a bit more yoga, a lot more meditation. I, I very quickly know what those things are. And within a matter of days, I can get them back into my routine. Even if, you know, my routine's been sort of shifted by some external event. Mm-hmm. And I almost have this like meta dialogue with myself, which is like, wow, all those years of doing this have really helped because if I suddenly found myself in a crisis, like I did, you know, 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, I didn't have those resources. So I had to pull myself out of a hole and then start learning. Okay. What skills and capabilities do I have and what else can I learn? What else is out there that I can bring in to build my resilience even more? And I've definitely seen in the last 18 months that all of that groundwork that can be 10 years plus makes a really big difference. It helps you to bounce back much more quickly. If somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh, well, I slap a bunch of pictures on a poster board at the beginning of every year and I sit on the couch and none of them come true. And I feel stressed all the time. And I feel like I'm in the trenches at work and they just feel like they're not in the driver's seat of their lives. Mm -hmm. You, and I love it because you're so highly intelligent, but you wrote this book to where anyone can understand and achieve Mm -hmm. these things. And I admire someone that can do that because I think that's probably really hard to do for someone that's as smart as you. So the themes that obviously I know, because I've read the book so many times, can we go through those themes, the steps of how to take your life back, how to do what you did, how to do what what I do and I need to redo um, lately in life. I think we all, even the things... um, that, that we learn and that we know work for us, sometimes we forget about. But mm. can you talk through those methods and briefly about each theme? Yeah, well, I'll briefly talk through the kind of the science behind the laws of attraction that lead to the method. Yes, please. And and it's actually not disconnected to, we, we were just saying, oh, what a coincidence that we both went to Oxford, that I've been, you know, through Nashville. And one of the principles 
the scientific principles behind the laws of attraction is about harmony and universal connection. So I'm going to go backwards. I usually do it in the other direction, mm-hmm. other, other way around, but universal connection is about the fact that we're all connected in some way. Everything that I do has a, has a ripple effect on, you know, everything that happens in the rest of the world. It's kind of like the sliding doors thing. Now I imagine that you and I have had very, very different lives, mm-hmm. but we found so many commonalities and now we're speaking to each other on this podcast. That that couldn't have happened like a few years ago. Obviously, social media contributes in a really positive way to things like that. But for us to find common ground is actually pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And to be doing the same things and talking about the same things and, you know, admiring each other so much, that's, we shouldn't take that for granted. That's quite unusual. That's that's a good um, point. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's got to be something at work there. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, harmony is about the fact that there's enough resources out there for everyone. I shouldn't feel like, oh, you know, if Mallory's got an amazing podcast or Mallory's book comes out, that that has any kind of negative impact on me. I should use that as an example of being inspired and what people can achieve and, you know, try to contribute something similar to the world. So it's about understanding that we're not in competition. We're all, we should all be, you know, sort of bigging each other up all the time. And each of our, you know, the success of other people that we know is good for us. I'm having to think now because I'm going backwards. Oh yeah, patience. So patience is going back to what I said earlier about you're doing physical work to change, you know, the way that you think and the way that you behave and mm-hmm. what you attract into your life and what, you know, what boundaries you have and what you don't tolerate. So I think it's about, you know, go easy on yourself. Imagine that you're actually building a brick wall or something and tell yourself, how tired should I be? How hungry should I be? How long is it going to take me? And make it more understandable to you that this is actually physically hard work. Mm. And then there's magnetic desire, which is, it's about authenticity. Mm-hmm. And I think you're actually a really shining example of being passionate about something and pursuing that because that's what you're interested in. And it really aligns with your life. And it's not because you wanted to make lots of money or you wanted to be famous. It's a real reason that you want to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Which I and guess then, goes back to what you were saying with the you know, you becoming a, a medical doctor, that wasn't your magnetic desire, correct? That's an example of yeah. like that. And you knew that, but a lot of people don't, don't realize that the thing that they're doing was handed down in some way from their parents or that they're even on, you don't want to call it the wrong path, but a path that is not their shining purpose. Yes, um, exactly. Yeah. And so I didn't interrupt. Even- I mean, I didn't know it for five years. It was the last two years of doing it that I started thinking this isn't like everything that I, you know, want in life kind of thing. So I think that's that's very, very normal to not to not realize. And and you mentioned having things handed down from your parents, but this new field of research, epigenetics, shows that things are handed down from several generations. Yeah. So wow. things like your idea of what you think you can achieve, things like stereotypes and being socially isolated and things like that, that comes from, you know, many generational traumas and things like that. So, so it's not just directly from the home that you lived in from your parents and that, wow, that's fascinating. And then there's manifesting and visualization. Those are the ones you usually start with, right? I know. I know. (laughs) I like Um, it. We went backwards. (laughs) Yeah. So manifestation and visualization are basically about priming your brain to notice and grasp opportunities that you might otherwise have missed just because we're busy and we're overloaded with information. And I wanted to particularly pick up on what you said about, I put a load of pictures on a poster board and I sit at home and nothing happens. I call vision boards action boards because it's very important to me that people take agency and responsibility for doing things that will bring those opportunities into their life, not just creating the fantasy and then sitting at home and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and so the first principle, which we're now coming to last, is abundance. And that is that the brain is two and a half times as likely to focus on negatives than it is on positives, to focus on loss rather than reward. Mm -hmm. So you're much more likely to look at your picture board and think, oh, I wanted these 10 things to come true and only two of them have, rather than thinking, wow, two of the things on my board have come true. That means the other eight can come true. Mm -hmm. Now, what can I do to make that more likely to happen? But the the brain will sort of try to keep you safe. So we really have to be willing to override that and, you know, take some healthy risks. And so the method does focus a lot on neuroplasticity and 
visualization and and these action boards. Mm -hmm. It's a four-step process. The first one is raising awareness. So you have to know what your patterns are, what's holding you back. Mm -hmm. And that can be, you know, very, very practical things like, I just don't have enough time to focus on this. You know, this seems like a luxury. I'm trying to put food on the table. Two, all the way up to things like, you know, tolerating toxic relationships and, you know, having low self-esteem. You've got, you've got to raise all of that to the surface because when that's not conscious, it completely drives your life. That's what I call autopilot thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is something that I see in my own life happen, that mm-hmm. I see in, from things that other people have told me in their lives. And just mm-hmm. to go back to what you just said, the fact that we're automatically wired to look at the yeah. negative and the things that are going to go wrong and to just save ourselves from the things that we're scared of two and yeah. a half more times. I mean, that is like, we have to do something about, we have to actively do something about our brains. Yeah. The, the awareness is such a big thing though. And I love how like in your book over and over, cause I listen to your book a lot. And so I don't have my, my journal. And so much of the source is sit down in your journal and write, like, I like literally <laughs> now sit down and journal. Your, like I can literally say the whole thing in your accent, Tara, journaling and awareness and writing down these things on a piece of paper is so big. But for me, as a person who is very busy and is running from one thing to the next, and especially right now, I'm in a season of a lot of things and a lot of stress, I can have this moment of awareness and Mm. it is just fleeting and it flies out of my mind. So in order to really, you know, utilize your method, like you have to be aware. I I feel exactly the same as you. There are times that I have an insight and I think, oh, I should write that down. But then, you know, the moment passes and you move on to doing the next sort of practical thing that you have household chore or whatever mm-hmm. and when I you know when I hand wrote journals like very very regularly for long periods of time I found that the most powerful part was reading back over it because yes. that's when you see that you're doing the same thing over and over and over again that you're not trusting your intuition that you're tolerating bad behavior that you're not taking care of yourself physically and you know sort of well, obviously mentally and emotionally as well, but you know, you're not doing the good healthy practices that can keep you more resilient. So yeah, that's that's the first part. And I'm, you know, sure that's a lifelong journey, but I think if you give that sort of a solid year of proper journaling, you will find out a lot about yourself, you know, everything that's made you the person that you are now. Mm-hmm. And so the next stage is with the neuroplasticity, it's actually raised awareness, focused attention, deliberate practice, and accountability. I switched it around a bit to include the action board. So the focused attention and deliberate practice become noticing more when you do these things that you're aware of in your life and replacing the bad behaviors with the new desired behaviors. And and that's the piece where it's like building that dirt road into a highway because that's hard work because we, you know, it's easy to do what we've always done Mm -hmm. and to even recognize that we just did it again let alone stop ourselves and do something differently in future is, is very hard work. And, you know, if I said to you, Mallory, how long would it take you to learn Spanish if you, you know, got lessons each week and you had homework and then you had an exam and how hard would that be for you? That is how difficult it is to change a behavior that's embedded in your brain pathways. And so I really found, have found personally that, creating these action boards is a way to accelerate that because we're very, very visual creatures. And there's a psychological phenomenon called the Tetris effect, which comes from when kids used to play. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kids used to play Tetris on their Game Boy in bed. And then when they had to switch it off and go to sleep, they could see the bricks falling in front of their closed eyes. And so priming your brain with imagery, particularly last thing at night and first thing in the morning, but you know, I always just say, keep your board somewhere that you can see it regularly and make it your phone screensaver and things like that. That it's like when you buy a new car, you suddenly notice that car driving around everywhere. If you say, I'm going to notice, you know, everything red today in London, you would notice the buses and the mailboxes and things like that. This is a way of keeping at the front of your mind, the things that you really want in your big picture, like your best life Mm -hmm. that you can't be thinking about all day long when you're doing your job and looking after your kids and, you know, trying to do a bit of self-care or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it just makes it higher in importance in your brain. So I'm a huge vision board person. And 
I wrote in my book about, I have a chapter all about visualization and manifestation. I've been doing it since I was a child. Like I, I sang mm. whenever I was little and I can remember visualizing trophies at, at six. I would sit there and all the other kids are like begging to ride rides at these county fairs and stuff. And I'm preparing to like sing my song on stage and I'm looking at that trophy. I picture myself with the trophy. I, I've been doing it since I was like a child. Wow. But you know what is so funny is I, when I read the source, I realized that what I had started to get away from was the imagery, was the picture of what it represents. I had gotten so literal with my action boards. Mine were still vision boards, but mm-hmm. there were a lot of words. There were a lot of numbers. Mm-hmm. It's honestly, it, I was using my vision boards like a grocery list. I was like, oh, I forgot eggs. And then you like write eggs on there. And oh, I forgot cheese. You know, you write it in there a- as a word. Mm-hmm. And it was yeah. like this running list of just like things I wanted very specific. And I shifted it and I actually took my vision board and my vision boards are very powerful. Like yours from 2015 was, or (laughs) all of yours, I'm sure are, but I took that vision board down and I was like, this is the first time I've fundamentally changed the way that I do vision boards. And now I do action boards and I'm looking at mine right now. I'm still in the phase of it where you say, put everything down and don't let any, you know, put it in a space where there's no wind blowing and children running around and dogs. I haven't taped it down yet, but I'm looking at the images that are on there and where I used to have this little post-it note of all of these, you know, when you're writing a book, you want certain lists when you're, you know, you want all of, I used to have bullet points of all of these like quote unquote awards say that yeah. I wanted to achieve. And now I have this picture. I want to show it to you that I found in this magazine. And it's this, this shining trophy. Oh, it's this great, yeah. you guys can't see it because you're listening to it. And I'm showing Tara right now. It's this green and, and gold trophy. And when I look at that, when I pass by this and I look at that, I feel something inside that feels very different than when I'd seen it in ink pen as bullet points. It seems like tasks and things to do. So now when something comes my way or I achieve something, I see this in the back of my mind and I see how powerful those images are just in my own life. And this action board that I've put together is so much more powerful than the vision boards that I was doing before. So I just had to share that just from my own personal experience and like what you've helped me personally as a person that already knew how to do this. Yeah. It's really powerful. It's really, really powerful. I think lists are good too, but if you think about it, lists will appeal to the logical pathways of your brain because you're reading it, you're writing it, you're reading it. Imagery appeals more to the tactile, visual, you know, colorful, emotional pathways of the brain. And, you know, so you actually want both. I remember when that that board from 2015 was the one where I then met my now husband in 2016. Mm -hmm. I also had a list of what, you know, I wanted in a partner. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they both were very complimentary. Um, But but, was that on your board? Did you put the list on? No, no, it was in my journal. And you said that the only thing on that board, so if you guys, what Tara and I are talking about that she talks about in the source, like when she was learning how to like do these action boards really powerfully and to do them, I guess, quote unquote, correctly, you made this really powerful one in like 2015, you put all these things on there and you were talking about how you had just shifted out of your career in medicine and then you were moving into this coaching and, and you had gone from being this senior doctor making all this, this money to working for pennies and giving discounted rates to your friends and doing, and you said, the one thing that I will say that you should write on there is the amount of money that you want to earn. And you said, you thought in your mind, okay, this is what I think I could survive on. You're about to put it on your board and your friend said, double that. Right. Yeah. That's what you almost like to the penny, what you ended up making. At the time of my life, I was changing career and starting up a business. It was really important to put down the amount of money that I wanted to earn. Once I'd got that business going, I stopped doing actual amounts and I would just put things that were like to do with abundance Mm -hmm. and growth and, you know, plenty. That's, you know, something that would represent that to me. And now mine are even more metaphorical. And sometimes I don't even know what they are. So for example, (laughs) in 2020, I also wanted to win a book award Mm -hmm. and I collected images throughout 2020 and then I made a really good board again for 2021. And I'd seen these images of different beautiful shells with sort of jewelry on them. And I just, 
I loved the connection to the ocean. I, I loved the sort of glamorous element of it. And I just, it, I liked the combination of those things. So I had about three shells with a piece of jewelry on them as three separate images. And I've also got a unicorn on my action board this year, which is <gasps> like something magical I haven't even dreamed of. I well, have, have you? I, I've been, okay. <laughs> That's so crazy. I have a post-it note on my vision board right now that says unicorn because, and then I have literally like <laughs> on the back of, I have this shelf of books and on the back of it, I have written the word unicorn because when I was going through the, the bid, you know, the bid day of the book process, like, you know, I said, well, could I have like all seven publishers that I met with all in the bid day? My book agent was like, well, that would be the unicorn scenario. Like you would be the unicorn. And I was like, okay. And I did have, and that happened to me. So a unicorn is so symbolic on no. my board also. So that's really special that you just said that. Um, well, that's just so giving me goosebumps. That's really, that's, yeah. that's really um, cool. You know, living fully, I think is a better way of saying it because if you're living fully all the time, then you're growing all the time and your potential is, 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 you know, of what you can achieve is enlarging. So I think that's the way to look at it. Yeah. And I like that you said the blank space, that you put the blank space on the board. I always would shove everything together close to each other. I overlapped a lot of stuff. And that was another thing because I constantly, with different things than than you, because I have two young children, a one and a three-year-old, I was writing a book at the same time. You know, we have the podcast and the brand deals and it's a really Mm. busy season Mm. and I crave space. Non-busy. I crave space. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the country with like 24 first cousins. Like we all lived on this farm together, had this big like garden in the middle and this ideal childhood. And I always think like, gosh, should I just go back to that? You know, I think every, everybody kind of fantasizes about, uh, fantasizes about that once they achieve success and they're busy. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I constantly have to like fight this battle in my head of these are all the things that I ask for and all the things that I put on my vision board, but now it's too much. Now I want less. And so I love it that you talk about, and you, you talk about that. I think in, I just saw on your Instagram where you were talking about like overcoming over-functioning mm-hmm. and how you have to schedule time to not do anything. Yeah. And my husband always tells me to do that. And I was like, what do you mean schedule time to not do anything? Like get my hair done and my nails done? No. <laughs> like not do anything, then how will I get it all done? But I think in order to enjoy the things that I've brought into my life, I must schedule time to not do anything. I have to have some emptiness. I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's episode and to tell you guys about a product that you are going to need this holiday season. You've heard me talk about it before, the CO2 mask. Technically, it's called a CO2 lift carboxy gel treatment. It is a mask that will transform your skin in like one treatment. I do them all the time because the more you do them, the more it helps that tissue and your hydration and your fine lines and your under eye bags. This mask I've talked about for five years because I have been obsessed with this mask for five years. I love kind of an overnight treatment that can really give you a noticeable boost in your skin and you will be glowing and dewy and luminous and it is just like such a fantastic product. So thank you so much to CO2 Lift for sponsoring this and I got a special code for you guys. If you use the code LIVINGFULLY, it will give you 15% off and I'm going to include that link in the description of this podcast. On my board, there is white space. And I honestly think, Tara, the reason I haven't taped everything, I'm friends with Gabby Bernstein and I talk to her a lot about uh, manifesting and visualization. And she always says the most important thing with manifesting manifesting and visualizing is to feel happy, is to feel because Mm -hmm. like the feeling you're going to attract these good things into your life if you're feeling happy. And I constantly think of that. I constantly think of like, oh, gosh, I I feel stressed or I feel busy. And I do believe that it's really hard to attract the things into your life that you want to when you just feel like you're running around with a chicken, like a chicken with your head cut off. That's a question that I was going to ask you, because especially here in the U.S., I'm sure it's it's like that over there in, in the U.K. as well. But everyone, I think, is running on autopilot because we're so busy. And I know you talk a lot about cortisol levels and I've learned a lot about that in my own health journey. Like my blood sugar was out of control. I was having these constant nosebleeds and all these weird health things. 
And I had to do a lifestyle change, a big lifestyle change where I completely Mm. changed my diet and I had to slow down things and immediately everything shifted. All my, my blood sugar numbers went down, all of this crazy stuff. You know, I wonder if, if you think, I'm sure that you do, is that one of the contributors to us not living our best lives is just running and running so fast, being so busy. And what can we do to combat that? Yeah, that's that ties back very nicely to the doing nothing thing. We're just talking 10 minutes a day. We're not saying, you know, long periods of doing nothing. And and it goes along with things like also doing walks for a longer period of time, but maybe not listening to a podcast whilst you're doing it and just being a bit more like in the walk. So stress is the biggest killer of brain cells, long-term and short-term. So when you're stressed, you make bad decisions in the short-term. When you're chronically stressed, your brain's in survival mode. It's not going to take those healthy risks that we talked about earlier. And, you know, it causes inflammation throughout your body. So it causes ill health, which means that you're compromised. You know, your brain power is being drained by healing the rest of your body. So I always say with the physical, the other side of my work, which is more the consultancy where I'm looking at people's sleep and exercise habits and diet and, you know, health and brain optimization. I always say, look, try to do all these healthy habits, but don't stress about it because it's the stress that will kill you. Mm. What you just said is so powerful. Like, like I think the most powerful thing for people listening, probably because we just, we're okay with stress. Like we just live with it. Like it's fine. And you're saying it is the, the doc doctor here is telling us it's the most detrimental thing. Yeah. Like, wow. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, it's the most detrimental thing. And so the answer, you know, your, your question, which was, what can we do about it is, to do all the things like, you know, like I mentioned, for me, it's the magnesium bath soak, it's the probiotics, yoga or meditation or going for walks. Do those things to try to reduce your stress. But at some point, we all have to ask ourselves a very difficult question, which is, what is the cause of this stress? And why am I letting that continue in my life? My number one issue to like living my best life is too much stress, too much busyness, saying no to too many things because I'm afraid I'm missing out. And, the, and, and I won't. But, and do you know, actually, Mallory, I think for people to hear someone like you, who's such a role model to so many people say that is, is so important. So I wasn't expecting us to have this particular part of the conversation either, but I think this could have a really big impact on a lot of people to And, you know, I'm thinking more particularly about women. We sort of, we're often dieting on and off. Mm -hmm. You're literally starving your brain and your body and expecting to be living your best life and be resilient and fueled. And there's so many things like that. So I think what I've learned from the research is, and it's very all connected because when we're stressed, our self-esteem is lower. We're more, you know, we're more self-critical. We're more negative. So affirmations are, an, are also an important part of this. So, you know, I'm strong, I'm not stressed, I have space. Well, I wouldn't do I'm not stressed because not affirmations are not very good. But, right. mm-hmm. you know, I'm strong, I have space, I'm calm. Because once you start perpetuating that thought process in your body, it frees up some of your brain power from just being in survival mode all the time. And that goes hand in hand with making your action board, looking at it regularly And the visualization part is visualizing it as already being true. Because then you're living like, I know that I'm going to achieve my best life by the end of this year. And it actually makes you do things differently because then you won't be so, you know, and I I remember I was like this when I started out my business, you know, you would just do any piece of work that came in. You were just, it was feast and famine all the time. And Uh you're either worrying that you didn't have enough work or you were like working yourself to death. And so the way that I look at it is, when I've just manifested something, and for me, there are so many times where something happens and I'm, I you know, go running up to my husband and say, you're not going to believe what's just happened. It's such a good feeling. You feel like you can conquer the world. Mm-hmm. So by doing affirmations and by using the, the board to visualize it as already true, you're cultivating more of that feel-good factor of, I just manifested something and it's, in, it's incredible. Yes. Because when you're low and you haven't been manifesting anything for some time and things are going wrong in your life, 
it's too easy to go down that spiral of this is never going to happen for me. Yeah. I should accept, you know, I should compromise in my relationship. I should accept a job that I don't really want. So there is an element of choice there. I know that, you know, we're talking about a whole huge range of people that have different problems, but just that choice of you being you on your best day versus you on a bad day, at least take that little choice and see what you can do to push yourself more Mm -hmm. to, you know, Mallory when she's at her best and happy and calm and Yes. And I know, especially from like going through the source and um, journaling things down, I know the things it's just putting those into action. You know, I know, I also know like physically there's this one thing. So I I told you, I completely like changed my diet, took out Mm. all sugar because, you know, I had a blood sugar issue, Mm. changed my life. It was amazing. There was this one chocolate bar that I could still eat. It's that who chocolate, who chocolate. I don't know what it's clean. So I, I started like, okay, two squares. Then I, the next month, oh, my blood sugar is going down four squares. Then the next month, oh, six. Oh, I can have the whole bar. So then my blood sugar starts rising again. My nutritionist is like, so what's going on? Like, what are you eating? And I'm like, the who chocolate? How many pieces? So I had started binging like, you know, mm. on, and on that chocolate. And I'm still kind of having issues with it. And when I go to grab that chocolate, I think in my mind, I know that this is a bad decision. I know my blood sugar is going to be bad, but like, it'll be fine. Like, I just want it. Like, I have so much awareness in the moment, but it's like making myself like do that action that I know helps me in the long run is so hard sometimes. And it's so funny because I am aware of it. That's, I don't know if you, you would call that like a micro. I love how you talk about micro habits, how literally drinking more water, walking outside, like those little things yeah. you can do yeah. that make such a difference in your brain. And I'm like, it would make such a difference if I just said no to this. Like if I just. I actually have a, a good tip for you. So okay. oh, yes. cravings are sometimes nutri- nutritional deficiencies in yourself. So, for example, whenever I crave cheese, I feel like, you know, I must ne- either need more salt or calcium or whatever. But there's another element to cravings, which is that your gut bacteria, they are an organism that wants to survive no matter what, like we all do. Mm-hmm. and in order to get the sugar that they need to survive, they use you to give them that sugar because they can only get it from what you eat, right? So for example, if you drink a full sugar cola, we all know that's eight teaspoons of sugar, that's not good. But if you drink diet cola, your gut bacteria actually absorb more calories from the other foods that you eat because you haven't given them sugar. Hmm. And so- Sometimes a craving can be these gut bacteria trying to survive and making, you know, triggering to your brain, you want sugar. So what I help my clients to do is say, okay, imagine this little gremlin in your, in your belly Mm -hmm. saying, Mallory, you really want that who chocolate. You really need six pieces. Actually, you really need the whole bar. Mm -hmm. And I get to give you that sense of separation, because if you think it's you, you're going to be like, I know I shouldn't do this, but I really want to. So I just will. Mm -hmm. If you ask yourself, is a bacteria going to tell me what to eat or am I going to choose what to eat? Mm -hmm. That's quite a different conversation because you could actually visualize yourself arguing with this little gremlin and saying, I'm going to choose not to. Yeah. It's that's the untethered soul stuff. Kind of like I am not to wrap this up. I do the portals meditation every single day. I have your, I can almost, I bet if I recited it in my mind, I could do it like almost to the second. Cause I know your pauses. I know how I first heard about you. Actually, it's funny because your publisher sent me a box of books because I almost went with the publisher that published the source and sent me a box of books. And your book was on the top of that box. I put it mm. on the shelf with all the other books. And then I, one of my friends was like, you know, you're so into manifesting and stuff. You should listen to this Tara Schwartz. She sent me the Jenna Kutcher uh, podcast that you've done. Oh, yeah. You did the portals meditation at the end of that podcast. And I mm. listened to it over and over and over. And now I know the exact second that it is in the book. So now in the book, like I go back and I listen to it every single day, like a meditation. And wow. I love that portals meditation so much. So I don't know if you even have the time, if we could close, if we could do the portals meditation. I'll try to do a special version for you. How much time do we actually have just so I can... Well, we have as much time as you want, but I know. You oh, we do. Okay, I'm okay. Being, I'm being respectful of your time. <laughs> okay. So let um, me um, let me just think. Okay. 
I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to do it. Okay, so here we go. So close your eyes and be seated or lying down comfortably and make sure that your legs or arms aren't crossed so that you're in symmetry. And start by taking five deep breaths in and out. And just notice whether your inhale is the same length as your exhale. If your inhale is longer, you might be holding in too much. If your exhale is longer, you might be giving away too much. But as soon as you pay attention to your breath, you bring yourself back into balance. Now starting to breathe normally again, turn your attention inwards. Be aware of your brain sitting inside your skull, cushioned by the fluid that it floats in. Trace down inside your body, your spinal cord, running down the center of your spine. Turn your attention now to the left side of your chest and focus inward on your heart there, pumping strongly fresh oxygenated blood all around your body. Take a deep breath in and out and focus now on your belly with your gut and your gut microbiome doing such a good job of protecting you, nourishing you and communicating with your brain. Feel this alignment of head, heart and gut. And with those three centers almost glowing from within your body, imagine yourself now standing at the top of a mountain, surrounded by snowy white peaks for as long as you can see. Cloudless blue sky. You wearing clothing that's gently moving in the breeze. And when you look down, you are barefoot, but you are not cold. In front of your feet are 12 steps carved into the mountainside. Visualize your feet walking down these 12 steps. Right foot first, then your left foot, and so on, counting down in your mind until you get to the bottom of the stairs. When you get to the bottom, you see a crack in the rock face. You're able to squeeze through it and find yourself in a huge cavern that's dimly lit. As your eyes grow accustomed to the lighting, you start to see the outline of five full-length mirrors These are oval mirrors on stands spaced about one meter apart with their gold frame glinting in the dim light. As you walk up to the first mirror, you see yourself naked. And you look at your body and see everything it has done to cope with stress and help you survive. And you thank your body from head to toe, your skin for protecting your boundary, your muscles for holding you up strongly through everything you've had to go through. And you suddenly really appreciate your strength your physical strength. Take a little snapshot of this feeling about your body and file it away in your brain. 
And when you are ready, walk to the next mirror. In this mirror, you're in your kitchen on a really hot day. You're wearing a little sundress or vest and shorts, and you're cooking really healthy food. And you can see from the glow of your skin and the joy in your eye that you've been nourishing yourself from the inside out. You're super healthy. Your blood sugar is in really, really good range. And you're very, very proud of the food choices that you make that help you stay mentally alert and really, really build your self-esteem. Just notice the little smile on your face that tells you you've been making the right food choices every day for a long time now. Smiling back at yourself in that mirror, walk over to the third mirror. In this mirror, you have reached the pinnacle of career success that you could imagine. You've published that book, you've built up your business, you've won that trophy, whatever means success to you. You can clearly see from the way that you're dressed and the environment around you that you've made more money than you ever could have dreamed of. But you can also see that that's not as important to you now as it used to be. That abundance and the message that you spread is effortlessly pulling you through life and giving you meaning. You almost skip to the next mirror because you're feeling so filled up with love for yourself. And in the next mirror, you see all of your loved ones. You see that big garden, all of your family and friends. There's joy in the air. There's laughter. You feel so much love for the people in this mirror, but you also feel so much love around you that they have for you. Drink in this good feeling and save it for a day when you're busy and tired and didn't have time to speak to your loved ones as much as you would have liked to. And when you filled up your cup with this beautiful image, walk over to the fifth and final mirror. In this mirror, you really see yourself through all these aspects, strong, fit, healthy, making good decisions, successful, loved, and so full of love. As you peer more closely in this mirror, you see that it's not actually a mirror and it's a portal that you can walk through. Start testing it with your finger and then gently push your face through. And then walk through the entire portal until you come out on the other side and you're magically transported back to the mountaintop. You don't look back but you know that something has changed in your brain forever. Something really good and important to you. As you see yourself in your mind's eye standing there, start to reconnect to those three glowing centers inside you. Your head, your heart, and your gut. Whenever you need to, put your left hand on your belly and your right hand on your heart and bring yourself back to this good feeling. And now bring yourself back to your body, to this room, to this podcast. Take five more deep breaths in and out.
And when you are ready, gently flutter your eyes open. And Mallory's got a beautiful big smile on her face. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Thank you for that. That, oh my gosh, that just was so amazing. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking the time to do that. I will come back to that. I'm sure my listeners will also come back to that. Like I do what you do on other people's podcasts. This, that was such a gift. Thank you for doing that. I really, I, I suddenly felt the pressure to make it a bit different to Jenna's podcast. And I was like, okay, I really feel everything that you and Mallory discussed no, today. It was, it, it was perfect. And it was, uh, and I, and I think too, like when I, I'm listening to you do it with other people, I put myself in those mirrors differently. So I'm sure people, maybe they don't have issues with blood sugar, but like picturing their body healthy. Maybe they don't want the garden, but they want the pool. Like you picture your things. That was really powerful for me. Thank you so much. And I'm sure my listeners too. That was really Well, I'm glad you have a different version because you've obviously listened to the book version and Jenna's version so many times. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny too, because I pictured one thing the same, but some of the other portals, like I pictured differently this time, which I never do. So maybe it's time to shift my vision in some of those portals. Maybe that was, you know, like we've talked about all this whole podcast, the law of attraction and, and the things that have risen to the surface during this podcast were what was meant to be. So thank you for doing that and and taking the time to do that. And this is going to be a real gift to anyone that listens to it. And I appreciate you taking the time. And i I just appreciate you doing the thing that's so hard to do and taking your life and turning it on its head to transform it into this thing that it is today. Because I mean, medicine, I know you were helping people and saving lives, but you're Mm -hmm. saving lives doing this as well. Oh, thank you so much, Mallory. I do. I do feel, I feel like it's the thing I was put on this earth to do. So, but it's just wonderful to hear someone else say that. And I, I do think this also comes back to that connection piece because I actually really sort of try to channel something. So the fact that this, you know, the portals one I did was was more for you. It's very, very interesting that that's had a different impact on you than the more generic one. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it did. And it's funny because I was trying to picture what I usually picture in the portals that I do every single day. And, and it shifted. It, I couldn't do it. I pictured something different. So, Yeah. That was very um, effective for me. Thank you for that. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I love you and I love your work and I do believe it will be impactful for people. So thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much. And everybody, you can find, you're pretty active on Instagram. I would say, is that the easiest Mm -hmm. place to find you at Dr. Tara Schwartz? S-W-A-R-T. D-R-T-A-R-A-S-W-A-R-T is your Instagram handle. That's where I find you most. You've done a lot of podcasts too. So isn't there a podcast Mm -hmm. tab on your website where you can listen to podcasts that you've done? Yeah. The source is amazing. Are you writing another book? Is this even? No. (laughs) Did it almost kill you? It almost killed me. It almost killed me. I mean, it was so hard. It was so hard. It's such hard work. I know. I mean, I'm very lucky. Actually, my publisher, who you know, says books are either a unicorn or an acorn and a unicorn comes out in a big fanfare and then kind of dissolves away and an acorn grows and grows and grows. And she said to me, your book's an acorn. So I'm, I'm happy with that. Let it grow into an oak tree in its own right. Yeah. It'll be a lot easier to write it then. Yes. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for everything. I'm going to put everything, Dr. Tara Swart in the bio and in a swipe up link and underneath this podcast. So it, you guys will, will fall in love with her. If, if you haven't already after this podcast, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but like <laughs> you have to read the book. You have to follow her. She's truly amazing. And it's life-changing, I think, blending spirituality and science like you have. So thank you for sharing that with all of us today. Thank you so much. And thank you for your friendship. So thank you guys all for listening to this podcast today. And thank you for coming on. I hope you guys will go back and listen to this podcast when you feel your life's back on cruise control. So thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next Monday for more. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. 
Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.